0: What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Flip Flop Guy podcast. I'm Andy Mokel, and I'll be your host. Our goal is to have epic conversations with people from all walks of life. There are no talking points that are off the table. It's going to get wild. We hope our guests inspire and motivate you to walk with purpose as we trudge the road of human existence. Enjoy the show. I mean, I always find it interesting because that's one of the most beautiful parts about hunting right is making up weird stories and
1: well you know you, you have 90% truth and then 10% storytelling yeah you yeah. know as long as as long as you have mostly truth in there then <laughs> that's what makes good stories seriously <laughs> man the amount of stories
0: that get told in different hunting camps
1: that uh you know i remember when i was in my early 20s I did a lot of hunting through my 20s by myself, you know, mm-hmm. trying to do things a little more extreme, you know, backpack hunt or solo hunts or all these different <laughs> things. <And laughs> trying just, to raise the bar. Yeah, you just torture yourself and finally get into your 30s. It's like, you know what, I really enjoy some of the social aspects of the hunt from the travel to the hanging out at night. And, you know, it's, it's not that much fun hanging by, you know, sleeping in a little bivy sack for three straight nights by yourself in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna start doing some things that are <laughs> <laughs> more enjoyable, and that's
0: more communicable. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. And sharing it with other people, and yeah, that, that makes a big difference. You start changing, doing that.
0: When you were coming up with the idea in your head that you were gonna challenge yourself more and go further into the backcountry and do more backcountry hunts, what was that like in your head for you? What was your uh initial challenge that you were after.
1: Uh, what do they say? Uh it's either, you know, 90% scared, 10% excited or <laughs> 10% excited, 90% scared. You don't really know. Um it I just I, I read things about you know, guys pushing themselves, seeing new country, uh, experiencing things and doing things that you never expected that you'd be able to do and that was that was kind of exciting in the beginning, and uh, I still enjoy doing those things and, and do still to this day, but when when you're doing only those things and you're pushing yourself to the <laughs> max all the time, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it, it, you lose, at least I, I was starting to lose some of the enjoyment I had and the reason why I was doing what I did was because I enjoy it you know it's it's my release it 's my outlet in life, and i don 't need to torture myself all the time, <laughs> so I still torture myself you know once or twice a year within
0: but, reason though yeah, yeah,
1: but then you know it's always nice to have those relaxing hunts that uh maybe maybe you don't have to sleep on the ground for ten or twelve straight days maybe maybe you have a nice little place to come back to and some more meals. Yeah. And uh, some, <laughs> some some people to talk to that <laughs> that are nice, some camaraderie. Yeah, going exactly. On there. Uh, so I try to find a balance between those things now, and that <laughs> it's much more much more enjoyable. Yeah. Although the the punishing myself in the 20s made me enjoy things much more now than I probably would have. Gives otherwise. you a better
0: respect for what you're doing now than. Than when you were in your twenties and it was just balls to the walls, absolutely crushing yourself. But you know you've done it.
1: Y- yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Proving you kn- yourself that you can do it. Yeah. And, and then moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously.
0: And i wonder, wondered too, as a hunter, how much like for me, when I was really, really going after it and getting it. Yeah. Like what you're talking about, was like 23 to 30, maybe yep. even up to like 31, 32, maybe. But it, it's. I'd say it's died off more and I'm way more into like truck camping or comfortable camping, yep instead of you know I've got my sleeping bag and an air mattress, and that's it, and that's it, <laughs> you know, and like a backpack full of cliff bars
1: yeah yeah that, that's uh it's about that's about the exact timeline I, I I was on too yeah I mean right at the end of college through the first you know five six seven years after that it was you know trying different things (laughs) pushing myself and and then uh yeah you know i i I really enjoy not torturing myself all the time although like i said i usually have one hunt a year that's about the torture that i i do torture myself you know whether it's a a backpack mountain hunt for whatever it is sheep or Mm -hmm. or wilderness you know here in california or goats or something (laughs) and then no more one a year is good for me (laughs) it's enough i don't I, I don't, I don't need to do that anymore. <laughs> right.
0: That's so relatable. Yep. That's so funny. So did you grow up in a hunting family? I mean, we were talking earlier, you kind of said you fell in love with archery when you were 12 years old. Yeah. So it kind of sounds like, yeah, there's more history to it than just like you got into hunting one day.
1: Yeah. So, uh, both of my parents bow hunt Okay. and have my entire life. Uh, my dad started bow hunting in the 70s. And then, when my parents got married in the mid late 70s, my mom decided, well, if I'm going to spend as much time as I can together with my <laughs> husband, I'm going to learn to bow hunt because that's what he did. And then, you know, I come along and I got my first bow from my dad's best friend when I was four months old. And that's a
0: nice start to life well
1: you know I, it took <laughs> me a little bit to work up to that draw weight yeah. but but yeah i that's how it started for me and i don't know any better i bow hunted since i was a, a child i mean tiny tiny child i remember we, you know i started probably shooting it when i was three years old and so that's bow hunting is pretty much all i all i know i rifled i think two days in my life when i was 12 13 and since then, I, I mean, I just only bow it and, and for the most part, it's DIY. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've done a lot of that and still do this day. Yeah. When I go to Canada, obviously in Canada, any of the Canada trips, you have to have guided, guided. And I've had, I've had some guided trips, and you know, in Arizona, uh, for for some for some animals. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, I mean, most of what I kill, especially in the 48, has been. But you know, it depends on what it is you're looking for uh, and how much time you have too. Yeah. Um, that's, that's been a big part of it. Uh, for the last several years, I probably try to cram too many hunts into <laughs> my amount of time away. Yeah. And then, you know, so if I only have three or four days to do this, do a hunt somewhere out of state, um, you know, I'll, I've gone on outfitted and guided hunts or outfitted hunts where you don't have a guide, you know, it's a hunt on your own, but, it's That's an area that they know, and uh, so it just kind of depends on what it is you want to do, yeah. and uh, and how much time you have, and how much you're willing to put into it.
0: Yeah. So, you grew up in California?
1: Yeah, I was born and raised in the Central Valley. Okay. And uh, so ha- haven't made it too far from there yet.
0: Introduce yourself.
1: Uh, well, my name is Zach Walton. I am 37 years old, and I've been bow hunting my entire life and <laughs> i don't really have any hobbies other than hunting. I work uh I, i'm with my wife Ann and I bow hunt. That's mm-hmm. that's pretty much my entire life. So that's not a bad life. No, it's been working out pretty well so far. Yeah. And uh, I don't have any plans on changing <laughs> anything <laughs> yeah. along the way.
0: Well, I mean just going through your trophy room and then also seeing your garage. You have an extensive collection of antlers
1: uh, yeah uh, like i told you you, you got to find the dumb ones there's dumb ones out there <laughs> you, you have to scour scour through the hills and the forests and the deserts but you're going to find some dumb ones every once in a while and uh you know it's bow hunting is all about you know time and pressure you know if you can put a more time into it and yeah. apply the right pressure eventually things are going to turn your way
0: so for you, what captivated you into wanting to become more proficient with a bow from when you picked it up, and the story you were kind of telling me a little bit ago about when you were 12, and mm-hmm. I think you said you arrowed your first peg or first t- two pegs. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah. My first. Uh, le- see, in, in California, you can't you can't hunt to 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I went to Arizona when I was 11, and uh, I first morning uh, hunting down there in the desert. My dad and I were out hunting together, and somehow we got separated, and uh, I ended up stumbling into a group of mule deer, and one walked up to me, and I, I shot it. Really? And I shot it. It was one of those things. I'm 11. No sights. Finger tab. <laughs> uh, and it stops. A little buck came by me, and then behind it was a doe, and in Arizona at the time, you could shoot either sex. And... I just draw back and shot this doe, and it disappeared. I didn't know what to do. So I couldn't find my dad. I ended up running around in circles in the desert and come back. (laughs) And we finally find him. And we come back, I tell him what happened. And we walk up, and I was like, it was standing right here when I shot it. I don't don't know what happened after that. It went over this little hill. I "I don't know. know." He goes, well, is that it right there? And he looks over 15 yards away. The deer is dead. I shot it right through the heart. First morning, by myself, don't know what I'm doing uh so i think when you have luck go your way that early you you fall in love with something and uh, and and i did and i just knew if i was going to do it i wanted to do it right and i think that's just been something i've i've been looking forward and driving forward on uh, since then you know trying to get better at whatever it is i'm going to be doing and then uh, do be the proficient best efficient the skill skill best I can at yeah yeah there's not a whole lot I mean, important. I'd say
0: you're pretty proficient
1: dumb ones you gotta find the dumb ones.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I really like <laughs> I like that statement <laughs> I really do so in that moment when your dad finds your deer for you mm-hmm. and it's your first deer, what's kind of going through your head
1: that now I get to do something uh, and have done something that I grew up watching my parents do but specifically my dad do and um you know that was that was big for me as an 11 year old child to prove that i can do it too um you know wanting to be able to and then and then seeing it happen and sharing that sharing that moment and uh yeah that was that was really big for me and you know growing up in a bow hunting family with that's what we did all the time we, we didn't do trips to hawaii we didn't do things <laughs> like that our our <laughs> vacations were bow hunts. yeah and you know i was that's i didn't that's what i wanted to do anyways so uh, it, it was it was important to be able to share that and like <laughs> do something that the people you look up to do and now like yeah i'm there too well you know, at least to a certain degree.
0: <laughs> as an eleven
1: year old as an eleven year old you're you think, there, man. That's top of the mountain. Yeah. That's yeah. It doesn't get any better. You haven't Not done better low. than that. Seriously. So yeah, that was that was uh, that was big big for me. And that was your sale for archery. It's uh, it makes it nice when you start off with something like that. Uh it, you know, you don't have to you don't have to really convince yourself I, I wanna keep doing this, I wanna keep trying this until it works out so yeah once once you do something like that man you're you're hooked and i've never uh, i've just never walked away from it you know yeah. don't plan to it's it's, it's a, an
0: amazing skill
1: it's a huge part of my life yeah. um there's something about the intimacy that comes from bow hunting mm-hmm. that you don't get to experience on a rifle hunt on yeah uh, on some other on some other hunts in some other areas i mean you learn you learn more about critters and what they do and and just when when you're within 20 30 yards of animals it's a whole different experience than when you're within two or 300 yards of animals and i've always liked that and uh, enjoy enjoy that intimacy that you have from it and the challenge to get to that range on those animals
0: closing the distance
1: yeah yeah because most most everything what i do is you know spot and stalk so i i like I like that you get to, you know, 100, 200 yards. Well, now you're starting. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, now figure it out. How do you get down to that 30, 40, 50-yard range as opposed to going, all right, I'm done. Pow. Yep. Yeah. Um, And trust me, there's been plenty of times in my life I wish I had a rifle because, (laughs) you know, they get away. And, uh, but that's, that's a part of it. I think and enjoy the, when, when you make it happen and work out for you oh, a lot that more.
0: forges us into be becoming better hunters.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. And you, know, s- huh? you see a lot more stuff too.
0: Do you use any like scent covers or anything like
1: that? or Only on tree stand or ground blind hunts out here. I mean, here in California, we start hunting in July in archery. It's a hundred and five degrees. <laughs> I mean, you know, example right now there's smoke everywhere. Yeah. Uh, you you can't you open the truck door at four thirty in the morning to go start your hike up to a glassing spot. And it's 85. you're sweating already. Yeah. As soon as you open the door. So, no, I don't do any scent control or anything like that for these types of hunts. Any any spot so you you gotta have the wind. If you don't have the wind, you're you're not gonna it's not gonna work out for you.
0: And that's kind of been a thought process of mine. I mean, like I'll. I'll take mule deer piss. Like if I kill a mule deer, Mm -hmm. I'll I'll harvest their bladder, and save save their pee in a bottle, um, directly from the animal. Yep. Uh, But for the most part, you know, I mean, we're talking for me, you know, going five, seven, ten days without a shower. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? No, you know, like other than a, a bath, a wipe, yeah, a wipe bath. It's really not much else going on there.
1: You, you know. You and can't stay scent free. when You when can't stay
0: scent free no matter how hard you try or how hard I try, I should say. So I've just always kind of fallen back on like, What well, i got to make sure my wind is right.
1: Yeah, you have to have the wind bow, honey. That's number one, two, three, four, and five for, yeah. your, for your rules.
0: And one of the most difficult things that I've found in California is how much the wind swirls yeah and you I've, know I found it more in
1: California than most other states too I mean I'm sure it's just as bad everywhere but I think especially over on the coast range you know we don't have high steep uh, we don't have high mountains over there but we have steep mountains mm-hmm. some of the the cane systems over there it, it might only be 2,000 feet of elevation 2,500 feet but it's as steep as any mountain you're gonna run into in Montana anywhere in the Rockies as oh yeah and uh, the wind just it is finicky over there, so you you got to get lucky, you got to get in the right place, and boy, if you don't have that for you, it's it's going to be a mess. Yeah. So.
0: For you in California, you primarily hunt A zone and B zone. Yeah. yeah. So what's your allure to blacktail hunting? As a as in, yeah, instead yeah, of instead of going in the Sierras, or yeah.
1: Um. Well, as a kid, I just started hunting over there is where my my parents went and i love hunting those little deer uh, i th- i think i i personally believe and i've been able to hunt all the different deer quite a bit in my life i think
0: yeah i mean you have a skull hooker tree in there that's full of
1: a bunch of different I mean, species of deer complete, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> i i think in my mind they are the a mature blacktail on your feet True blacktail is every now, bit as hard, if not if harder, than any other animal. Outside tru- of maybe a, a great big, ni- eight nine year old mule deer yeah. in the mountains, that's that's tough too.
0: So, by true blacktail, yeah, Colombian blacktail. We're gonna get we're gonna get I five on this. We're gonna get.
1: Yeah, it's it's rough. You know, I the boundary Pope changes a little bit. Pope is very very yeah.
0: strict on this, correct? Yeah, Boone and Crockett has a Boone and a d-
1: a definitive boundary. Yeah, that was drawn up in the gosh forties, fifties, I think, and it has proven pretty, pretty accurate. Although there's always there's always some exceptions here some and there, and, and that's what the DNA testing over the last you know decade is has, has really helped out with. But um, there's there's uh, there's a, there's a difference between the two, and when you have those little, the crossovers and like the cascades or Northern California, the, the C zone to B zones uh, through the Siskiyous and stuff like that, they're very similar, if not the same deer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the, ar- the lines get a little arbitrary up there, but um, there's a definite difference between the behavior of a mule deer in the Sierras and a blacktail on the coast. Right. And,
0: uh, and although you might kill a deer with a full blacktail in the Sierras, that usually doesn't necessarily mean that it's 100 percent. Yeah, Colombian exactly. Black
1: yeah, and over the years, you know, the the animals through that area have like mongrelized themselves. Completely. They're, yeah, they're they're part this, part this, part this, um, and that's why you know the DNA testing has come in handy, and and that's that's kind of an interesting thing to to follow. But right, you know, if you're if you're a, a nerd, a science nerd.
0: Well, I always <laughs> just find it so interesting. There's a, uh, a lot of guys that are always posting these, quote, monster blacktail photos, and then you talk to them about it. Oh, I killed this thing in D7, or I killed this thing in D5, yep. or D3, or wherever they ended up killing yep. this monster blacktail, but it's actually, it's not a full blacktail. There could be mule deer blood in yep. there, or whatever, to help it with its antler growth. Yep. You know, and, and I'll even, and people might butcher me for this but i'll even take it as far as saying that there is a difference if you go west of i5 i almost think that there's coastal blacktail and then there's mountain blacktail yep. and i think that the mountain blacktail dominate size and antler growth compared to the coastal blacktail you know coastal blacktails stay relatively small they don't get that much antler growth they get some mm-hmm. but they're you're not looking at a 30 inch you know coastal blacktail yep. Hardly
1: ever. I've killed uh, bucks, you know, within 10, 12 miles of the coast that mature, six, seven, eight year old bucks that don't weigh 100, 105 pounds. I mean, they're They're like, they're jackrabbits with, with, and these are big, fully mature bucks, easily make book. Yeah. um, And they don't weigh more than 100, 105 pounds. And then I've killed some bucks, you go in about, another 20 25 miles is all it takes mm-hmm. and you hunt some of these deer that that spend their time in the mountains like you said five six seven thousand wow. eleva- feet of elevation and then they come down you know, especially during the rut and you know they'll bu- those bucks will weigh 170 pounds yeah and that's that's a that's a significant difference and then then you take it one step farther what we're talking about you go another you know 50 60 miles east To Mm -hmm. the Sierras, and you know, that's a whole different category, yeah. And that's that's why I think you know, there's got to be some type of delineation. You can't put that buck that lives on the coast that weighs 100 pounds with a buck that lives on the west slope, the Sierras, that weighs 200 pounds, yeah, and mash you know, their antlers together and say that and say they're the same deer where this buck's 100 and then this buck is. 190 inches, (laughs) like that's not the same deer. No, Um, so there has to be a line. It's not even
0: the same genetics.
1: And luckily, we have we have real science now to to delineate it. Mm. And you know, if you end up killing a buck on one side line or the other, you want to find out what it is. Hell, I'll I'll come do the DNA test for you. I got a couple packets in there that. Do you really? Yeah, the Boone and Crockett sends out. Yeah, I've uh, I've drilled and, and and helped that a couple times for. Either for Pope & Young or for for Boone & Crockett so the are So are you? Are you a scorer? Uh, official and measure for Pope & Young, yeah. Okay. And now, yep.
0: how long have you been involved in Pope & Young for?
1: Oh, uh, I was. Oh, I got 14 years old. I um I got a membership at 14, <laughs> the and funny. then. <laughs> so
0: you started out really. Young. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, that was you know I've 23 years now yeah. in Pope and & Young, and and then became an official measure about 10 years ago or so, and uh, yeah. I'd help them out as much as i can and you know work with them in different ways and uh and uh yeah it's it's a uh, it's a big part of my life like i said and it's it's another kind of avenue off of bow hunting you know records keeping and then you got conservation and you got all these different avenues that split off of your from your love of bow hunting or hunting in general mm-hmm. and uh yeah i get involved in all those different things
0: so because i'm now that we're talking about this, I'm probably going to bring a blacktail to yeah. you to get taped out. Absolutely. What is, you said it's 60 days. Yeah. From coming out of a freezer? from The measuring kill. process? Yeah, what's the measuring process
1: and qualification? Yeah, so and So There has to be a drying period for anything to be officially measured for Pope and Young or Boone and Crockett. Boone and Crockett's the rifle aspect. Boone, uh, Pope and Young is the archery side of it, of course. Okay. And it uh, has to dry in room temperature. For 60 days after you kill it. So, uh, for example, like you kill a buck in velvet, you know, we're archery hunters, we kill them in velvet. A lot of guys throw them in the freezer right away, which I've done that too. But the clock for getting it officially measured doesn't start until you take it out of the freezer and it has to dry for 60 full days. And then, then it can uh, be officially measured.
0: Now, does using velvet lock or anything like that on it? If Yeah, you can, you can,
1: nope, you can okay. inject it. You can spray it. You can, you know, dip in formaldehyde, or you know, I've heard people do gas. I mean, there's a bunch of different methods. Mm-hmm. You know, powders
0: preserving that exactly <laughs> to to
1: try to get the velvet. But if if you leave it, if you do all that, you know, and it's you don't put it back in the freezer, all that's fine. The only the only thing you can't do is have it. You know, the the artificial velvet, the fake velvet. You can't have that put on there and then have it officially measured cuz it that changes cuz it's not the right it's not it's just not this it's not the original antler right yeah so yeah uh but uh, anything outside of that yeah 60 days and yeah officially measured and
0: so and what made uh, you want to get involved in Pope and Young at I 14 years old uh, i don't know yeah. 14 year old. i mean i'm sure there is a few there's only a couple of weird weird outside yeah. of california more but uh, in california have prob- 14 might be the only one yeah
1: yeah i uh uh I remember, as a kid, you know, looking at certifi- Pope and Young certificates. Like, when a dad killed a, you know, a, a bull or or a buck that made Pope and Young. I remember looking at those certificates and thinking, that is the that's the ultimate judge of whether or not you killed a mature animal. Mm-hmm. That was that was my you <laughs> know th- especially especially back then, and if you if you can match wits and kill a mature animal whatever it is with a bow and arrow at that range but I think that's that's the ultimate for for bow hunting especially and so I always wanted to be a part of that well uh, my dad bought me a membership when I was 14 and you know I I remember reading the record books from when I was a little kid so I was always fascinated with the numbers the measuring process I learned how to do that when I was a little kid and you know, put tape measures on anything that any I, any animal I ever saw. And I uh, just, I wanted to, I, I, I was always fascinated by it and wanted to do it. So then, you know, f- become official measure and, and, uh, and you know, do it whenever I can.
0: So do you measure with wire?
1: Uh, it depends on what animals y- you're doing it with. Uh, all all the, the antler species, you take wires for like the lengths, and then any circumferences are done with tape measures, mm-hmm. the quarter-inch steel tape. Really? So it just depends on what you're what you're measuring. Like for sheep, they're steel tapes to the length and circumferences. So uh, a little bit different for the different animals.
0: Mm-hmm. So being Pope and Young, when you went on your sheep hunts, yeah, did that kind of were your sheep? No, your sheep hunts were archery sheep. Yeah, hunts. both, both, yeah. Uh-huh. So when you went on your sheep hunts. How heavy was it in the back of your head that you needed to be putting on those inches? Uh, I mean, it's difficult because it's sheep, right? So here, here's the like thing. It's like a lifetime hunt, but at the same time, it's, yeah. for you, there's probably a little bit more internal pressure on yourself.
1: Well, I'll tell you this the, the thing I had going for me on both of the, the thin horn sheep hunts is Pope and Young is a low score for thin horned sheep mm-hmm. it just is it's 120 inches oh wow and it's low <laughs> Whoa, wait for a minute. <laughs> for doll and stone it's 120 inches which is n- nothing i mean and you know where i'm hunting in canada you, that there's there has to be a certain length or age on those rams so what's the but what's the, the age so well in northwest territories it's it's pretty low uh, but we were hunting with an outfitter that wanted to kill nine or 10 year old rams mm-hmm. and, you know, try to that kill four, break curl. the bridge. Yep. And then, and the last year I hunted in the Yukon and it was eight or full curl. Mm-hmm. And that's what
0: it was up where I was in BC. It exactly. Or the same the thing. Yeah. You
1: know, like Alaska's uh, a little different in some places, you know, seven or breaks the, breaks the bridge or, um, but, uh, that's, we, we were trying to kill, you know, eight, nine, ten year old rams, these places and. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know,
0: but that's a that's a that's a trophy, man. That's getting a getting a a double digit ram in my opinion, that's a, a huge huge sh- success. Sheep
1: hunting is more it's it's more important the age of the animal than it is the score of the animal. Uh and I I think that, you know, killing old rams is is more important than killing, you know, Boone and Crockett rams. Mm-hmm. It's nice when they're both, (laughs) but sometimes you can have, you know, six or seven-year-old ram that might be a giant where the 10-year-old, 11-year-old standing right next to it, maybe he's heavy broom, maybe he's uh, whatever. Uh, But, you know, if you have a six-year-old 170-inch doll sheep next to a 10-year-old double broomer, you want to say that you're going to shoot the 10-year-old, but it's hard to pass up a, a book ram, uh, you know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, killing, killing old sheep is is very important, especially in, in these places where, you know, like Outfitters in Canada where they're running concessions. If they kill young sheep, they don't have sheep down the road. Mm-hmm. So, you know, killing old rams is important. The two rams I killed on those <laughs> archery hunts, are they're both 9 years old, and they were both 10th day of... A, 10 day backpack hunts really so yeah so i got uh, ah, i got my uh stressful i got my time out of it and one one is a uh, yeah man that's a full hunt you know, one of them's a heavy broom on one side and a lamb tip on the other and then the uh, the second one i killed is lamb tipped on both sides so uh because sometimes you gotta take what you can get but you know that was that was i was trying to go up there to kill you know my goal was to kill nine or ten year old rams and, and we killed two nine year with olds. your bow
0: yeah yeah, I'm just gonna keep hammering that home. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> people that are listening.
1: Yeah, and, you know, and, and going to the tenth day on both hunts, on backpack hunts, that uh, that'll test that'll test your mental uh, capacity and drive. I can imagine, man. Uh, a lot more than physical. People think oh, I got to get in shape for a sheep hunt. You know, that's it's going to be the most mentally taxing, uh, physically taxing thing I've mentally ever done. Mentally taxing. Uh, way, way more. Um, I I don't know if you put it on a scale. 90 percent mental, and ten to twenty percent physical. I mean, really, especially on those those hunts you know, when you're trying to bow hunt and grind it out, it's uh it can be tough. I got stuck in a tent for three days in the Yukon, never came out of it <laughs> because it was the middle of August and it snowed six inches on us. Yeah, uh, you just don't expect that kind of stuff. You, it's, you fog, you can't see a hundred yards, and uh, if you're not if you're not mentally prepared and mentally invested in what you're doing at that hunt you're you're gonna you're gonna lose it pretty quick and
0: uh, that's crazy that's yeah
1: that that, that was three way days hard. man three days yeah the only only time you you uh you come out of the tent is go to the bathroom or to take a peek out the to get the rain yet? flap and <laughs> yes yeah, is, is the fog gone is the snow melt no no and uh yeah three days that it was rough
0: on dallas's hunt in bc I think we were, and it, well, we were in a cabin. Obviously, we had you know gone on a fifteen-hour horse ride to the cabin. Yep, that they get back had, in. Yep. Yeah, further back of the in their concession, and God, I think we had a two-two-day storm. Yep. If I remember correctly, and that was just a bummer. Yeah. But thank God we had a cabin.
1: <laughs> so on that hunt last year, my buddy. Corey was there at the same time. You know, we were hunting two different areas. Mm-hmm. And I was on the backpack hunt, and he was on a horseback hunt in the cabin. <laughs> and we're, we're in-reaching, <laughs> back, back and, forth. and forth. And, you know, I'd tell him, he's like, how's it? How's it look today? I was like, well, it's, you know, fresh snow again on the ground. Can't see 100 yards. Uh, I'm wearing all my clothes in my backpack, you know, inside my sleeping bag and still shaking. How are you doing? He's like, well, it was tough this morning. Um, I woke up, went over to the. I had to walk 30 yards to the the camp shack, <laughs> which was tough. And then had bacon and eggs, and warm coffee, <laughs> and uh, yeah. Now I'm just in, sitting by the fire, uh, you know, just waiting for the weather to Staring clear. Staring warm,
0: waiting to break. And
1: I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm cursing him left and right. And was uh, he bow hunting? He was rifle hunting. He so actually at killed. Least
0: at least you have one up on him because
1: you're an archer. We yeah, have, but he he killed a really nice ram day two, and uh, so he was just out there looking for a caribou. So he was all of the pressure was off of him at that point. So he was very, he was very happy while I was still look you know chomping at the bit to get out uh, back on the mountain. And uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's it, mentally I I really think guys underestimate the amount of uh, mental stress that you have on some of those hunts. Not, not even to mention, the amount of time and money that you put into these things leading up to it, and then the, uh, you know, I tell everybody the hardest thing I've ever done in hunting was on that last day when finally got in range of that fannin, and I'm laying on him at fifty yards for over an hour. And all you're doing is looking at that ram, and all you can think about is, now I got to keep my shit together, to make the shot, because mm-hmm. obsessing it can, on it for an hour, you can blow it at any point, and it that was, so you're you're mentally drained from all of this, this whole hunt, <laughs> and you're on ten day days, 10. and now you finally have your one opportunity, which is all I look for for a hunt, one opportunity, and. Now you gotta keep it together because it's really easy to, you know, screw it up at that point. And uh that was that was hard. Uh but it worked out and you know, come out the other side knowing, Okay, I can do that. Yeah. And uh and then didn't get me the hell off of this mountain because I'm <laughs> freezing. I'm ready to go <laughs> home. I have lost ten pounds in ten days. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would enjoy a nice, nice campfire right now and some, and some good food, please. For people who don't know what a fannin is, uh-huh. What's a fannin? Uh, so a fannin is a in between a doll sheep and a stone sheep. Uh, where I hunted them was in the uh, Yukon, and essentially they are, they're like a dirty doll. Um, they are white sheep. They're salt and pepper white sheep with grain to them. Um, a black tail and black hairs throughout the body, and they can range from just a, a, a few patches of black hair here and there to uh, like the one pretty I the gray. one I killed is is pretty. It's got a lot of gray to it. You yeah, know, he's through, dusty. Yeah, through the whole body.
0: Beautiful sheep.
1: Yeah, that's uh, I had never planned on ever full body mounting anything.
0: Until you shot that one. Until we killed that one, and we got up to it.
1: My guide looks at it, and he's like, "Cause we had talked the whole time about you know what we're gonna do." I was like, well, I my other ram is a pedestal, you know, and I'm pretty happy with it." And we got up to it. He's all, "He's all, I'm not fucking cutting that thing. You're taking the full body. It's it's happening." And I was like, "Well, okay, I um, guess so. <laughs> that's that's fair. I shouldn't cut it up. Yeah. Uh, now I just got to explain it to my wife." <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, it turned out it's a it's a beautiful sheep, and uh, yeah, the achievement of a lifetime probably yeah on a ram like that that's that's, uh yeah you don't don't get a whole lot better than the way that sheep looks what's your
0: next sheep hunt
1: oh man well i told myself after the first one i was never gonna hunt sheep again (laughs) and that that didn't last too long um i I don't currently have any sheep hunts booked but i've been looking at it you know i I'd, i'd love to kill uh, now that I've hunted a couple thin horns, I'd love to be able to do um, big horn, big horn hunts, either desert or rocky, but mm-hmm. man, they don't just give those hunts away. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and they can be, they can be tough without, without writing a big check, they can be very, very tough hunts. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking always on the look, look out for something and, uh, hope to get out there again. And, you know, I never thought I'd be in this. I was a, de- I'm a deer hunter. I was a deer hunter growing up, still am to this day. So to have uh, a couple sheep, you know, a doll and a fan. And now now I'm trying to figure out, all right, how do you get the others? Yeah. You know, and uh, I haven't figured that out yet without um, selling my house, living in a tent, getting a divorce because my wife would leave me. <laughs> and then, you know, writing two big checks. I haven't figured out how to do that yet. <laughs>
0: well, and – but you've also killed a dandy of a caribou.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I've, I've found some stuff different. You know, muskox and um, – elk and mountain goat and you know different stuff over the years but and a bison yeah oh yeah and a bison Uh, but i just i i think you know once you (laughs) it's a cliche right you everybody talks to says the same thing but you don't appreciate how much you want to hunt sheep until you hunt sheep yeah and then when you do even if you have a miserable experience while it's the there the best experience of your life you always look back on it with a very positive <laughs> viewpoint because our, our brains are trained to get us to forget the terrible things in our life mm-hmm. and focus on the good and i think that that's to the nth degree on any type of mountain hunt uh, you forget instantly you get back and you're like oh man that was a great time. I that don't. That was the best time of my nothing life. Nothing was bad. I, I, you know, stuck in a tent for three straight days was was awesome. Was you, you don't epic. remember all the, all the back pain and leg pain and how I have my feet taped up. You know, every <laughs> square inch of them because, you know, that my boots are destroying my feet. You don't remember that stuff. It goes away. Mm-hmm. And all you can think about is,
0: or it becomes part of the enjoyment.
1: It, yeah. It
0: it becomes the suffering. It's the experience. It's the whole thing. It is the experience, one hundred percent.
1: It's the travel, Stuck getting up home there. Syndrome. It's the scene, all the things along the way. It's the people you meet. It's it's um, it's being able to share that with other people. I mean, well, back to what you were talking about at
0: the beginning, that camaraderie, yeah. and sharing the experience with others. And I don't know if this is your experience. I know for myself, uh, when I was coming out of Alberta. From being in BC for, you know, whatever it was, 15 or 16 days or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm going through the airport. Yeah. You know, I had multiple different Canadian residents mm-hmm. come up to me that are like, I mean, they see me in my. Like, yeah, yep. I've got my heavy backpack on. Everything I'm wearing is Kuyu. Yep. And they all come up to me and they just. Were you sheep hunting? Yeah. Where'd you go? What'd you see? What'd you get? Yep. You know, like. Because it's a whole. World up there more so than down here, and part of the experience coming out of those trips is running into those people in the airports yep. and talking to other guys that are either in like you know identifiable branded company from the hunting industry yep. where you can sit down and have a chat with them about where are you going, where are you coming from, what was your hunt like, or yep, exactly. you know share your share our experience of whatever hunt we're coming off of which is so remarkable you know
1: yeah it's funny you get you know i get on a plane here 747 here in california nobody on that plane is going cheap hunting <laughs> most likely nobody on that plane's even a hunter yeah. i mean very very low percentage and then you get to the next one you know whether it's whatever seattle or you know edmonton or you know then you get farther up into bc or or the yukon or northwest territories and then each plane you go on it gets a little smaller, mm-hmm. and you start to notice, you know, a little bit more of the the, the potential hunters. You know, here <laughs> and there, and then you got the guys with the camo backpacks, you know, they carry on, and they're like you said, they're different brand hats or yeah. whatever. And like, okay, uh, then you have some somebody to talk to each time, and, and then finally you get down to you know and on these these hunts, I'm in seven or eight different planes from the time I leave to the time I finally get out to the bush. Yeah, every one's smaller and each time you have a higher percentage of a chance to run into somebody doing that same thing. Like you said, it's, it's fun to talk to the people on their way up or on their way back and an experience. experience. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. That, that's a big part of it. And that, uh, yeah, yeah. It, the problem for me with that is, is I get back from these things and then you talk to someone else that did it. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I would really like to do that again. And now I got to figure out how to make that happen. And, uh, and that's my life
0: yeah how do i make
1: it happen how do you, yeah how do you make <laughs> it happen and what are you willing to sacrifice everything because everybody's got to sacrifice something to do it
0: and that's a whole nother ball of wax yep. that a lot of people don't realize is the amount of sacrifice that comes along with it
1: yeah i mean whether it's in your your business career you know you know, giving up your personal life to work more to make money to then enjoy these things or 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 giving up hunts you know, uh, you know i try to do four five six hunts a year mm-hmm. in that you know four to 10 12 day range depending on what it is and you know that's maxing me out Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, you know i have a mount that i'm I'm willing to kind of you know spend every year to do it well it's hard for me to give up five hunts a year to do one hunt uh, that it might take me you know three years to pay for Mm -hmm. or or whatever that and that's I'm just not willing to make that sacrifice for the next one. Yet. <laughs> Yet. Yeah. Yet. Yeah, and that's a good point. You might get there. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, you probably will. You start getting to a certain point. You start looking at it. It's like, man, i only got this much time to start doing things. Yeah. And uh, that's that's kind of what started driving me to do some of these more adventure hunts. Is you know, I, always I like that adventure yeah. hunt. Because
0: yeah. that's what it is, man.
1: Yeah, from start to finish. I mean, doesn't matter. Uh, like uh, going to Nunavut and hunting muskox. That's not a taxing hunt the muskox you know they it's not a hard it's not a physical hunt it's not a mental hunt the only it's,
0: thing that's difficult about it is the cold I it's would assume. getting there
1: it, it, the the traveling to get there is an undertaking it is a full-on adventure and then when you're out there you know you, you you're riding in the kimetic or whatever it's called you know get you the sled with the dogs or the snowmobile depending on which one you end up doing and and you're you're out there you talk about remote you're out there on 100 miles of ice. That's remote. Uh, but the hunt itself was not hard. We find the muskox, and they can't get too far. There's nowhere for them to go. And they group up, and you know, just have to wait for the bull to come out to the edge and shoot it. So it wasn't a demanding hunt, but it was an adventure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's brutal. I, I live in California. <laughs> Negative 40 is not a temperature I've ever seen before nor ever want to see again. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, I uh <laughs> that's not my forte for sure.
0: Right. -40. God, that's a cold bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was a little a little chilly Ooh. that day. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't I don't I mean
0: it's it's 85 right now yeah maybe 80 now yeah it's a a nice little breeze it's not too bad
1: let's go down to negative 40 yeah that's a long ways it's a
0: long ways down
1: yeah yeah you know our summer's here you know just just last week it was 112 here you know that's brutal hot
0: state was burning down in every direction yeah
1: yeah then you you take that and you swing it 160 degrees or you know the other direction and uh yeah i I just i don't really want to do that Mm -hmm. but uh I don't think i have any more arctic hunts in me there's nothing else up there <laughs> I'd to like draw to me do that once it's you know um when i was looking at doing muskox uh, i talked to a bunch of people and some guys told me oh, just do it in do it in you know july august do it in the summer um you know you shoot them it's it's like a caribou hunt and and i thought about it, thought about it until i talked to a couple guys that hunted you know have hunted all 29 And one guy specifically, Jake Ensign from the East Coast, you know, he he killed 29 about, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. He said, if you don't do the muskox hunt in the winter, the spring, he said, you're doing yourself a disservice. And I understand that. You need to experience it because that's the experience. Yeah. And. I I totally understand that. He talked me into it. And I did it at that time of year for that experience and the adventure. Because other when
0: otherwise, when, when else are you going to be in negative 40? Never. In the middle of nowhere I don't, nope. doing that? I don't And never, never again. <laughs> so, so why pass on the opportunity? Yeah. And, and to that, experience that. And I, I fully understand I that. I
1: enjoyed that looking back on it. I That's one of the few hunts I did not, en- <laughs> really did not enjoy <laughs> during it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, you, you do it. And
0: How hard was it to draw your bow back at negative 40?
1: Uh, well, I had actually, uh, I was shooting a shorter draw because I, you know, wearing all these clothes like the mission mission Michelin, Michelin, man, whatever. And, and uh, <laughs> so I, so I short my draw so I could kind of, you know, open up to it. Uh, it wasn't hard at that point, but I remember taking a couple of practice draws, you know, before we saw muskox and I remember it being, you know, awkward and, but in the mo I don't, I don't even remember it being tough Anything because you're focused on something else, yeah. but but uh yeah it's it's just whole different. I don't know how many layers I was wearing. I mean, I don't know. Eight. Probably oh eight shit. layers and the outer layer is this expedition gear that is unreal. I mean, it's 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 rated to like negative 100. Wow. And uh I mean they do it up right up there. And you're still cold in it? Or are you I wasn't cold in that, but uh <laughs> you also couldn't move either. Yeah. <laughs> so I wouldn't want to have to walk around very far in that. Yeah. <laughs> in that stuff. How funny! But uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a different place up there.
0: That's crazy. So are you? Is your gold the twenty nine?
1: Uh, you know, for a while I thought it was. Um, I've I've had a little bit of a change of heart in the last year or so about that, um, and don't. It's not a priority. I'm not making it a priority right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, because I, there's other things I'd like to do, and and, and I won't give up. We we're talking about sacrifice. I won't give up my hunts i love to do every year or every other to year to that to get to you know just doing one or two hunts a year that it would take to get there over the next decade and and you know i'm i l- understand that i'm a little too. over halfway there right now but i just i just can't i i am not willing to sacrifice that right now mm-hmm. you know i gr- grew up chuck adams was a was a bow hunting idol of mine since i was a kid you know reading all of his stories Seeing his adventures, and you know, so that was something that I entertained uh, very, very heavily for most of my twenties and early thirties of trying to follow those those footsteps. But as you get into it, and you you kind of surround yourself by a lot of other people that are doing the same thing,
0: the culture,
1: you you start to see that it becomes a you lose some of these guys lose sight of why they're doing what they're doing and they lose the enjoyment, it becomes kind of like a race, you know, where you're scrambling from one hunt to the next instead of enjoying the experience and the, the adventure of each one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I've seen that. And so I, I kind of step back from it a little bit. And who knows, maybe I revisit that someday and try to pick up where I left off. But right now, I'm just not, not going to push. I'm not going to sacrifice what it would take yeah. to get there at this point so and got a lot of buddies that have done it or are currently working on it Get and there. and you know what I'd I, I love to follow their adventures it's just for me right now it's it's not it's not something I'm willing to drive that hard at right now
0: you spend a lot of time chasing Sitka blacktail yeah so where are you going what are you doing so what's what's drawing you away from your a zone b zone blacktail? <laughs> yeah you know
1: i um well that's one of the reasons i i can't chase the super slam because i want to go to kodiak every year Mm. Uh, i mean it is uh been fortunate to do a few different hunts uh, a bunch of different places in north america Uh, it is by far my favorite hunt and um i i've done it different ways uh the way i currently do it and, and have done it the last several trips is have a buddy up there that runs a transporting business and has been um, uh, a transporter on the island for 30 years. And so we stay on a 60 foot boat. It's a a yacht, you know, there's a bunch of different state cabins on that and it's warm (laughs) at night. Uh, I don't have to sleep on the island with the bears uh, like you have maybe the first time I was up there. Uh, Excellent food and uh, you know, good hunting good buddies that you're with. There's six of us on the boat at a time. Uh there's everything that you can want built in that hunt. There's the adventure. There you got the travel. You got a bush flight. You got um the allure of Kodiak, which is a beautiful, treacherous, terrible island. <laughs> and uh you got multiple tags. You got the you can get up to three tags. Up to three right? for non residents, yeah. You got the you got the no, it's it's not inherent danger, but it's the allure of the danger of the Kodiak bears, you know, thousand plus pound bears running around monsters. Uh, and then all of that is coupled with comfortable place to stay,
0: good food, some
1: world class dining on Don't this. Don't they boat. make I mean, sushi on the? It's unbelievable. <laughs> some of the food we eat there, it's crazy. <laughs> you will not lose weight on this hunt. No, you gain. No, weight. you gain weight every time. And, and that's what Todd
0: and Ben were telling yeah. me. it's like the food is just. Like, I, Phenomenal! I tell
1: everybody you're going to gain pound, You're going to gain at least six or seven pounds on this hunt. You won't lose anything, and uh, and then it's the best thing about that hunt now. I enjoy more than ever is, you come back to the boat, and it's comfortable. You relax and you hang out with. You know, five of your other buddies, plus the guys that are running the boat are, are just excellent people to be around, and it's it's an awesome, it's a, it's a full adventure. Everything you could want is built into that. One trip, and that's – I won't pass that up to go spend, you know, six days on the tundra chasing Central Canadian, you know, barren ground Canadian caribou, Mm -hmm. and then the following year go, uh, you know, hunt woodland. And, you know, I I just – I'm not going (laughs) to do that at this point. I totally get it. And I'd like to do those things. Don't get me wrong. But you got you gotta to pick just and choose. That sounds like
0: so much more fun to me. It's it's my f- favorite hunt. That it's, sounds like a dream hunt. You know, you're staying in the really na- – it's like yep. when you get to a hunting lodge yeah. and you know you're staying in – and this is going to sound really ridiculous, but you know you're staying in, in an exquisite, yeah. top-of-the-line hunting lodge. Everything's relaxing. Everything's taken care of. Yep. You're pampered. And you just kind of get to go along for the, like, all right, I'm going to beat myself up during the day, and I'm going to come back and relax and have a couple cocktails.
1: That's what happens. Yeah. You know, we got eight hours. You know, that time in November, it's it's only eight hours of daylight. Yeah. So you go out in usually shitty weather because it's Kodiak in November. And you go out there, and you bust your ass for eight hours, Mm -hmm. hope to pack out something heavy (laughs) through the alders, which are terrible to walk through. And then you come back. It's like. Take my boots off. I put on my comfortable pants, you know, and my flip-flops, and chill. Have yeah. a cocktail, eat some food, watch a movie, whatever <laughs> I want to do. Play cards. Are you fucking kidding? Oh, we kidding? got yeah. We got a, a TV no. and DVD player on the boat, and and
0: sign me. And we up. play
1: cards. And you know, I mean, it's it's. I can't imagine anything else that you would want in, in a And that's you know we talked about. The difference from hunting in my 20s and in my 30s now is enjoying those experiences a lot more. Not thinking I'm giving up an opportunity to hunt something else somewhere else mm-hmm. because I know this is where this is where I want to be right now. There's no doubt that I want to be doing this right now. So uh, yeah, I'm going back again this year, and it's a uh, it's an awesome trip. I love that place. How cool is that, man? And plus, sick of blacktail. They're they're made for honey.
0: I mean, they're delicious too.
1: Oh yeah, we had a little bit tonight for dinner.
0: Yeah, the backstraps were amazing.
1: Yeah, it's it's one of my favorite animals to eat and 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 hunt and, uh, uh, they're yeah they're, they're and they're gorgeous. They're of all the deer, they're the the most handsome of all the deer well, species. With just the looking at the one patch. on your wall oh.
0: is just like that was a. What we were saying—it's a stout. Yeah, buck. oh,
1: they're they're bulldogs with antlers, yeah. and they got the, the dark cap on their forehead, you know, the, the almost black, and they got the double white throat patch, and you know, just a, a beautiful tan color. And you know, their winter coats—that that hair. Well, they have to deal with Alaska winters. It's two inches thick, and <laughs> I mean, it's it's just, yeah, they're 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 a really really fun animal, Gorgeous. to hunt, and. You know, I got a lot of buddies that go up there, and they they hack it in the tent, you know, with a 65, 70-mile-per-hour winds and no. sideways rain and snow, and, you know, that's great. Um, and I've done that stuff before. I'm completely happy not doing it. Not doing that right
0: now. <laughs> <laughs> and there's nothing
1: wrong with Yeah, that. yeah. it's uh it, it's I've
0: plenty of times during the year when I beat the shit out of myself. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's nice to hunt for fun.
1: Yep. Yep. And uh do something a little bit different and like I said it's it's a full, it's got all the adventure stuff you want out of it and it's a fun hunt as it's, it's my favorite and uh try to pretty go back pretty much every year and you know and and enjoy it every single time. Mm-hmm. So but uh, yeah, yeah. So maybe I'll stop doing that one day. And if I stop doing that every year, I could pick up one more species a year <laughs> along the way. At least <laughs> try for it. But uh, it's hard to it's hard to say no to that hunt.
0: And then, are you guys planning on kids at all? Or
1: uh, at this point, we're uh, we've been married for twelve years, and we um we're we're both very uh, in individual and driven people, and it just uh, we got a couple dogs right now, and that's and that's uh, content. That's kinda, Kind of the maximum amount of responsibility that I, I feel I can have in my life. <laughs> hey, I, I'm, I'm not I'm very totally, responsible. I'm right there
0: with you. I mean, um, I don't even have a dog. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> Kid, kids for me are yeah.
1: The the thing about far-fetched. it is, is once once you have kids, it, it your your life is no longer yours.
0: Your life of adventure.
1: Yeah, and and it's not even. It's, it's like
0: ninety percent out the window. It's, wind it's not even
1: that. It's just that you you no longer make decisions for yourself first. Mm-hmm. You make them. Every decision you make is about providing, uh, you know, for your for your kids. And and I uh, I'm I'm a selfish individual, but <laughs> at least I'm able to admit that. And and yeah, then you, you know, honest, right? and then and then deal with that. You talk about sacrifices you have to make in life, and you know that's that's one of them. You know, sometimes to be able to do certain things, you have to sacrifice others and. And that uh, I think that, that's probably one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so.
0: In your work field, uh-huh. we were talking about this a little bit earlier. Yep. And you were telling me sometimes you do big wild game barbecues. Yeah. So with I, other people from your industry. Uh-huh. And a lot of the time it sounds like most of those people are not wild game eaters or hunters. Yep. So you're kind of getting to break fresh ice. Uh-huh. With people that have no idea, maybe they don't even understand or like hunting. Yep. You know, or they've had a bad experience with wild game once and they don't like it, which then put them on this course where they're like, quote, anti-hunting. Yep. Sort of. Yep. You know, they're on that, that like, 97% swinging pendulum. Mm-hmm. You exactly. You know, they could go either way. So what is that like for you, getting to be a representative and trying to bring new people into the fold of maybe not becoming hunters but enjoying wild game, enjoying the experience and understanding the adventures that you're going through as an individual and a hunter in order to bring back this food for them to eat.
1: Yeah, um, I I work in uh, medical device sales so I spend the vast majority of my time actually in operating rooms around uh, Northern California here and working in hospitals I, uh, over the last 15 years, you know, I run into very few hunters and I don't run into a lot of anti hunters, mm-hmm. but I run into the vast majority that fall in like most of the country into the middle of the road. Eh, I don't really to have layer, too yeah. much of an opinion on it, Yeah, <laughs> but those are the people that you love to talk to. So this whole wild game feed we, we do once you year, my wife and I put on is it started with just three or four people like seven eight ten years ago almost <laughs> they were interested like elk elk that's i've heard that's good i was like yeah it's good you know you want to you know i have you, you want to have some elk burgers and they're like yeah no that'd be cool so it started with 10 people and then the next year it was 20 people and then 40 people and now it's it's 60 70 80 people and it's a whole big production that we do every year and uh, yeah, it's, it's great to bring people that don't have an experience with hunting, uh, and, and show them, well, this is, this is what it can taste like. And this is what, you know, why this is why I do what I do. And, uh, yeah, the first year we did it, we had a lot of leftovers because people came to the thing, to the game feed, having already eaten dinner. And then they were just kind of sampling. Well, ever since then, we run out of food every year because now they come to it hungry because they're ready to eat, <laughs> and they just eat. eat everything I've and got here. And they know that it's going to be and good. And they know it's going to be And And so it's turned into quite an event. It's nice to be able, to, like you said, to, to show others out there that have a misconception or maybe don't have any uh, conception of, of what hunting is about and you know what, what we do and, and, and why we do it. And to be able to bring that to a bunch of people and then have them be a part of the experience by eating the food, mm-hmm. at the you know the, the the very last part of the experience is eating it, and uh, yeah, it's 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 great every year to do that and brought a lot of people, kind of to our viewpoint, that I think if more and more people, in that vast majority of the country that don't have a, real opinion one way or the other on hunting, if you were able to introduce them to stuff like that, it would bring a lot more people to our side, as uh, as pro hunting. And if even they are not, don't become pro hunting, at least they will, will not be anti-hunting. Because mm-hmm. that's, when you have anti-hunting, that's a real struggle, a real fight against it. Yeah. And, you know, I'd much rather have a huge chunk in the middle that don't really care one way or another than to have any of those people move to the anti-hunting style. Because that, that, that just, that goes against everything that's in my being. I grew up hunting, but... I hunt because it's it's a part of who I am inside. And even if even if I stopped shooting animals, I would still hunt them because <laughs> uh, I I love being out there with them and experiencing that's that's why I bow hunt. I, I because you get to experience them. And uh yeah, it, it, that's what I would do. I mean uh, it's it's nice to be able to bring people over to our side. Yeah. Every little bit helps.
0: It's all, I've always found it so interesting, you know, and especially coming out of Marin County yeah, where there's nobody that hunts anymore. It used to be predominantly hunters and mm-hmm. outdoorsmen, and that's obviously long since passed. But I always just find it so amazing to get to share the exact same thing that you're sharing mm-hmm. with, with others, uh, with people that I grew up with and people that I've been around in, in the Bay Area, and getting to watch their perception change yep you know and and they really get to understand the reality that we as hunters live for yeah you know and 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 it's you know we're not just out there cutting heads off animals you know we're out there getting meat that we get to share with everybody mm-hmm. and then share the adventure and the experience um yeah so especially
1: for us out here in california I it's mean, different, right? It's viewed as... Taboo. Yeah, I mean, very, very low percentage of the population of California is, are active hunters.
0: Yet we make up for 20% of the nation's gun sales. Uh,
1: yeah, and there's lots of reasons for that, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, but I yeah. Like just throw that Yeah, there. absolutely. and yeah, that, that's a good point. Um, so it's, it's nice to be able to show people you know, some of the reasons why we do it, that they probably have never ever thought of because they're just they, they're not exposed to it and it's not their fault they've just never been exposed to it
0: mm-hmm. so it's pretty neat stuff man so what do you got planned for this year
1: uh, so this year uh, you know I, I got a little lucky with the fact that um, I didn't have any Canada trips booked this year <laughs> with uh, with COVID uh, wreaking havoc on everyone's plans mm-hmm because uh, i've had Canada trips pretty much every year for the last five or six years and uh, i didn't have any plan this year this year it was on it was actually on my list to slow down this year really uh yeah i because last five or six years i've been running at a pretty a pretty heavy pace for someone that you know still holds down a a, a career that doesn't have anything to do with honey that just does honey and is their outlet uh, you know quite a bit of traveling quite a bit of Hunting a lot of days away, um, kind of maxing out my my uh, welcome with my business partners and and with my wife at home. You know the, <laughs> the <laughs> amount of time I'm away, and uh, so this year I kind of set to go back and relax a little bit and get back to kind of my roots. And so I only had deer hunts scheduled for this year. And you just
0: had a deer hunt last week. Yeah, or? I
1: just uh, yeah, I killed a buck up on the Coast Range, no in big Cl- deal. Columbia back <laughs> Blacktail. Yeah, well that's that's my. Uh, <laughs> That's my 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 baby, you know the Columbia Blacktail. Uh, the, it, it's still my. When you start, when you grow up hunting something, it's always going to be your first mm-hmm. love, even if you fall in love with other things. And
0: that's like me where I hunt, man. Yep. It's my baby, dude. That's and I cannot have a season. There, you don't do that without being yep. in it. You got to do it. I and got it, man. And I chisel out time for anywhere that I can. Yep. In order to make sure that I'm there for you know 24 hours yep. or a week yep. you know or three days whatever it's going to be i make time for it i have
1: to and that's i'm the same way it goes back to you know i'm not going to give up that hunt either to to chase an animal i've never seen before in my life and you start adding up those days and the time and energy it takes and then all of a sudden you, you run out of time and energy and uh but you know i, I make sure to hunt these blacktail as much as I can every year, and and then I'm going next week. I'm actually going to uh, North Dakota to hunt whitetails with the, a with a buddy. Trip. Yeah, yeah. And velvet. I've never uh, never killed a, a whitetail in velvet. Yeah. So that'll be a fun trip. And then I got my Kodiak hunt for sick of blacktail, and and then Mexico uh coos. So I've all the hunts I have scheduled this year are back to deer hunts hunting. Well, that's 4 of the 5 deer species hunt I planned. I don't actually have a mule deer hunt planned and I try <laughs> I started talking to myself about whether or not I should plan one and try to hunt all 5 deer species in one year, but I just just haven't done it and you know it there's like I said it's a this is a, a relaxed year. So, those just those yeah. those four hunts that's my Sounds like a great year. It's though. a great year and I'm I'm really excited to get back to just deer hunting because that hasn't been my main focus in the last four or five years and and uh so yeah i i, like I said i'm a deer hunter that sometimes gets confused and <laughs> strays away <laughs> from deer <laughs> right. so uh yeah that's that's why i got going this year and and then we'll see you know i, I didn't didn't draw any tags and there's limited opportunity for for hunts because of uh, everything that's going on this year so corona yeah i probably won't do a whole lot outside of that yeah but uh, yeah yeah we'll I'll see right. we'll see you never know yeah, you never know. Things pop up and
0: tomorrow. Phone call, boom. Yeah, yeah, and
1: uh, as much discipline as I claim to have, sometimes you it goes right <laughs> out the <laughs> fucking window. <laughs> so, sometimes you just you just can't help yourself. But uh, yeah, that's what I got going this year. So yeah, oh, right on. Gotta fill fill the freezers back up. Are they getting low? Oh uh, yeah, you know I got two big chest freezers in my in my garage, and I uh, actually had one completely uh, completely empty uh, after the spring because we were he- home so much yeah we were eating, eating eating a whole bunch a whole bunch of food oh, including Corona a 15 oh, i'm telling you man, and like the freshman 15 i'm glad i wasn't on sheep hunt this year i <laughs> i'm not in shape for that so right. <laughs> but uh yeah i actually had to plug the freezer back in this weekend when i got home uh, for the for the buck i just shot so yeah so i've got the second freezer going again but uh yeah i probably caught it all cut it all up i'm down to one full freezer so yeah that's pretty much all we eat we eat a whole bunch of wild, wild game and uh you know like i said i, I use 50 pounds of it every year on a, my uh my game feed so nothing I, wrong with that i don't mind uh, i don't mind you know putting some stuff in the freezer i love a wild game feed man yep. and uh, you know i did uh I have, uh, not stolen, because I always give you credit for it, but oh, yeah. started this last year, we started doing, uh, uh, me and a, another buddy of mine, Sean, we started doing the flip-flops. Yeah. After watching you last year uh, Kuyu.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 hey, man, the funny thing is, 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 for me, the flip-flop is about everybody learning how to do it.
1: it, it it's you know crazy. I mean? um, having seen that, the first time. I should have brought you a bottle of marinade. I just uh, had 400 I'll, delivered to my house. We'll, well, we'll get that set up here <laughs> soon. I'm li- Yeah, looking forward to it. We just, uh, my wife actually makes the mar- different marinades for us when we do those things yeah. because she's much better at it than I am. But, yeah, I'd love to use, a, oh, use totally. yours because.
0: Well, see, and that's the most beautiful thing is that, like, so, I mean, the flip-flop is a style of cooking, yeah. right? It's anybody can do it. Anybody can come up with their own marinade, mm-hmm. their own dry rub. Yep. Whatever they want and however they want to cook it, is specific to the individual
1: that does it. Well, and the the coolest thing about it, other than like you said, it's a it's a social, it's a social gathering to eat, mm-hmm. and you know you you
0: and you, you saw it firsthand. You, yep, at Kuyo. you eat
1: you, you eat standing around the barbecue. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not you know th- that's the best way to do it because everything's fresh right there. Yeah, and. And not only that, but the other thing is the amount of people that just uh, leg—they're like, I've—I don't even like the leg. You know, most people say that, or they'll make it a jerky,
0: yeah, jerky, or, or, or
1: roast, or you know, ground burger. You know, most of the time they're like, oh, the leg, man, just that's an afterthought. Get rid of it. And uh, when they, when they eat it this way, it's it's shocking. They I everybody says I can't believe how good. This, this is taste. this is what I'm going to do with best my legs wild game of from life. now
0: on. You know, I mean, it's like that day at yeah. and Randy Omer. Yeah. This is the best wild game in my life.
1: Yeah, he's eaten probably only 9,000 animals. Yeah, no big deal, yeah. right?
0: You know, or I mean, the list of, of, of amazing individuals on the planet that I have fed yeah. that have ate wild game from all over the world that will come up to me afterwards, look me dead in the eye and be like, that's the best wild game I've ever had in my life. And I couldn't even name them all because the list is too long. Yeah. And I don't remember them. Yep. You know, it's, but just like what you're saying right now is like, it's unfucking beatable.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: and And all those ranchers in West Marin, when they all started doing it, you know, 1950s, and there's debate whether it was the Portuguese or Mm -hmm. if it was the Italians and which original um, heritage brought it into. The West Marin area when they first started doing it in the 50s. I know my grandfather learned how to do it in the 50s. And, you know, he was known as the game warden that was taking it around from ranch to ranch. And everybody else was trying it. At least this is how it's been reported to Uh me um, from kids who were, you know, in their, you know, they were between 10 and 15 years old at the time when my grandfather was doing this in the 50s. So a bunch of old timers now um you know but it's just it's crazy and that's what the entire experience was was the community coming together and everybody eating and celebrating all of the you know whatever the kill was yep. or you know everybody coming together whether it was lamb legs or if it was deer legs or however they were doing it mm-hmm. you know it's just it's it's remarkable
1: it's it's just such a a cool novel way to do it and and on top of it it's excellent. Yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> no doubt that it is the, a great way to to prepare you know, a leg of all of all things, and right. uh, yeah. So it's 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 pretty cool to start doing. It. And, and I said, I know you've been doing it forever, but when we saw that last year. Like, man, that's a great try that. great idea. Yeah. And we've done probably six or seven of them since then. Good it, man, and I'm Everybody glad. you do it with, they're like, I gotta do this. Yeah. So you know, revolution, shred- dude. Yeah.
0: I told someone. I gave, that's besides the point, point. Yeah. one time, a long time ago, um, I looked the guy in the eye and I told him, I was like, trust me, I'm going to change the hunting industry with this thing N- right here. Yeah. And, and he looked at me and kind of just laughed a little <laughs> bit, you know, cause he didn't, Yeah. you know, he didn't, he didn't believe me. Didn't
1: agree. <laughs> no, he,
0: I mean, for sure he agrees now, yeah. but. At the time, he was like, "Man, you're crazy." Just more of like, "You're crazy," kind yeah, of yeah. Enough, yeah right? Yeah. Like, and uh, here I am. Yeah. Four years, three years later.
1: Yeah, just know, it just wait because it it's it's one of those things that just catches on exponentially. Watching
0: right? everybody, yeah, doing it, and I love every second of it. Yeah, it's you know it's the, so cool. The most important part for me about the entire thing is the heritage of it. Yeah, right. 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 Yep. And and and. That's the biggest thing for me is the story behind it being told and, and, and making sure, you know, that, that the heritage of it as far to my knowledge of it, you know, in West Marin and the whole deal. That's that's my big thing, you know, because I don't take credit for it because I know someone taught you it. So yep. when well, my dad taught me, mm-hmm. my my mom's dad taught my dad, mm-hmm. you know, and, and obviously somebody showed my grandfather yep. in the 50s, you know, which I have the photo of him doing them in his backyard in the fifties, you know, and, and, but that's, and that's one of the bummers about a lot of history, right? Is that it kind of reaches the point of like, how do you, how do I find out more mm-hmm. information, you know? And, and, you know, there's uh, do you know, Cody who works at Kuyu, mm-hmm. right? So Cody, and if I remember correctly, his cousin's name is Trevor and the first time that they heard that I was coming down to Cuyu to do a flip flop well Cody's cousins showed up with a flip flop knife and their family's recipe oh, are. and then so uh, Cody and I are bullshitting back and forth and Cody's like yeah you know my family learned on a ranch in Marshall and you know this that and the other thing and all of West Marin mm-hmm. and I was like that's so funny that's where my grandfather's ranch was and their hunting club and yep. and a bunch of stuff like that and that's where they all learned it all the old timers that have been in california for a long time that hunted a lot and hunted the coast and hunted you know moran point rays sonoma county back when you could actually go out there and yeah. hunt it there's back <laughs> before it was all vineyards well, well there was well over a hundred <laughs> hunting clubs out there yeah. you know and I, um, another one of my buddies steven did he He's been going out since before I met him, and he goes out and cooks flip flops at all different kinds of people's parties huh. all over Napa, St Helena, yeah. you know increase the list so it's and that's why I'm always like it's not the only thing that I take pride in for for a lot of it is that that marinade that I have which yeah. just like you know the marinades to die for mm-hmm. you know and and uh, but the flip flop itself is an experience that I want to see from whitetail hunters on the east coast to mule deer and blacktail hunters on the west coast elk hunters we've yep. done elk quarters i Ooh, mean that's <laughs> that's heavy
1: dude it's heavy <laughs> but you, you need two
0: guys to do it yeah. and and two spikes of rebar but you get it done yeah yeah you know, that's how we fed my uncle's weddings you know so it's yeah. But it's amazing to get to watch so many people and hear so many different stories of so many people that now are saving legs. Or mm-hmm. Someone will tag me in a post on Instagram, and it'll be just a deer leg. And I'm like, fuck, yeah, Because <laughs> like, yeah. it's just so exciting to yeah. see. And it's, it's nice to see something new being brought to the hunting industry that is not hunting gear. Y- and it's yeah. about – it doesn't matter. The, the gear doesn't matter. You could be fucking hunting in a flannel yeah. or in – kuyu or in sitka or first light or king's camo it doesn't doesn't matter what you're hunting in when you're around that fire and everybody is eating that deer leg that's all that matters is what's in front of us well you
1: got to have a bunch of people too because you can't eat a whole deer leg by yourself yourself. (laughs) somebody somebody the
0: other week i was out on the hunt and they're like man if we kill a deer like gotta have you do a flip-flop and i'm like there's four of us in camp <laughs> yeah. and the deer that we're looking at right now it's probably got 20 plus pound hams. Yeah. Like, yeah yeah i don't think we're gonna be, i mean we could we could try we'll I'm give open it our to, best effort <laughs> I'm, I'm open to trying but we're gonna get through you know 10 yeah. slices and be done yeah yeah you know but i mean that just excites me so much to yeah. hear you know you guys doing it yeah you know and and i remember you you and sean i think were sending me pictures of doing it uh it was
1: at donald c's at at, hollywood's I'd, house yeah hollywood's yeah.
0: house just the other week you know yeah. and i was like damn it i wish i knew because i <laughs> had to come out like i was so bummed yeah. man but yeah you know it's it's just such a it's a great thing
1: to watch yeah it's know. it's its super cool and i said it is it's a it's a whole big experience too you got the uh, you know you got a whole bunch of stuff to it mm-hmm. not just not just eating food and you
0: want to talk about changing people's minds about hunting feed them that yep Yep, absolutely. You change anybody's mind about honey, all day long, all day. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, shit, man. I mean, I think that kind of sums it up. Yeah. I got to get to camp. I got a guy up on the hill who arrowed a deer today. Got to go go help him find it. Well,
1: that'll be good. Yeah, be right about time. Sun comes up in the morning.
0: Yeah, right. Go get it. Find it. Walk up on it. Yeah. How do you feel? Uh,
1: well, good. Confident. You got to be optimistic. I mean, come on. That bow hunters. Bow hunters have to be optimistic. Oh
0: no, no, no! I mean about the podcast. I oh. mean you're relatively familiar with podcasts a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You, you do. Oh yeah, a I, I, little I, bit of a little pod, yeah, a no, little I mean, bit.
1: I I uh, I help out um, volunteer time for for Pope and Young Club, and uh, so I w- My I have a degree in journalism, which mm-hmm. I don't use in my career. Yeah, career at all. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. So, uh, but I I asked me a few years ago if – you know, if I could be willing to help out with different stuff. I told him, yeah, let me come up with something and I'll come, get back to you. So uh, a year and a half ago or so, I told him, well, what if I helped start a podcast for you guys? And, you know, that's, that's a lot of them going on out there. And, and I thought at the time it was just going to be one of those things i just get it started and going and, it, you know, it, it, it would lead to wherever it led to. But, um, yeah, i host a podcast for Pope and Young and, you know, done a few of them with someone. with someone. It was, was kind of cool. You get to sit. Talk to some of the world's best, especially
0: bow especially with Pope and Young. yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, you know, you're talking straight, motherfucking legends. i was sitting down
1: Steve. with Frank Noska, you know, <laughs> just finished his second Super Slam. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're bsing about different stuff, and
0: maybe the first guy to ever arrow a sheep and the, a ram and the whites. Yeah. Maybe
1: fingers crossed, yeah. fingers crossed. Yeah, if anybody could do it, it definitely would be him. It'd you know, be him. There's, a, you know, I get to talk to, and that's that's one of the things that. Uh, you know, if there's one thing, if guys listen to this that they don't know much about Pope and Young and they, and they bow hunt, you know, the the best thing about that is, is you know, record keeping organization, a conservation organization that does all these things. But is meeting some of the most well-traveled and best skilled bow hunters in the world belong to that organization mm-hmm. and you go to the convention and you're sitting there find yourself sitting at a table with Frank Noska you know Randy Ulmer Chuck Adams is there you got Warren Strickland you got all these different guys that have been everywhere done everything and they have no egos they are completely approachable you can talk to them about anything and it's it's a it's a great experience talk about being able to accelerate your bow hunting knowledge in a weekend that's how you do it mm-hmm. talking to guys that know and uh, that's that's one of the cool things about you know doing the convention or, or just being a member of it and getting to, hang out with some of the guys that have been there, done that, and yeah. are willing to, to help other people along yeah. the way. And that's uh, yeah, it, nobody does anything on their own. They always got to have some help. Right. So yeah.
0: That's how we all get somewhere.
1: Yeah. So like being at BSing with guys and talking, it's always a good time, right? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. So, yeah.
0: Right on, man. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for dinner. I appreciate you having me over to your house.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for coming up, man. Good luck the rest of this year, huh?
0: Yeah, you bet. Thanks for tuning into the show, folks. If you'd like to check us out online, our website is www.theflipflopguide.co. You can find out all the information you need to have your own flip-flop in your own backyard. We encourage this, and we'd love to see this happening in every backyard across America. You can purchase our sauces that have been cranking out flip-flops from my grandfather since the 1960s. If you had trouble filling your tags this year, we also have available on our website, Maui Nui Axis Deer Legs. They're 100% USDA approved and ready for your consumption. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram at The Flip Flop Guy. We hope you have a great day. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to smash that subscribe button.